it was like 10 30 in the morning in the middle of a work day um and my phone just started going off um and i was able to track down that the director of the sonic movie jeff fowler uh oh, wow. saw it and retweeted it um and commented on it said he loved it uh that, that he loved like that retro style of it. and i was like that's awesome that's amazing you know um my phone just i almost had to turn it off because it was going off then ben schwartz replied to me on twitter and said he loved it and that definitely <laughs> brought in the audience for like all the people who saw it you know you've got literally the voice of sonic saying that he likes your art which was uh really surreal having been a fan for uh, like of this franchise you know for as long as i have as you know waking you know randomly on twitter not literally of course but you know sonic the hedgehog says you like it <laughs> or says that he likes your art Welcome to the Sonic Historian Podcast. My name is Rad Ree, and I'm joined today by Mark Cavazos and Alex from It's It's Clobberin' Time, or Clobberin' Time? What, what, yeah, what's the name? Time. <laughs> At Clobberin' Time, yeah. <laughs> so most people probably have, uh, who are familiar with Sonic probably know me from Twitter. Um, like you were saying, my handle is at Clobberin' Time, T-H-Y-M-E, spelled like, uh, spelled like the herb. And um, so I, I'm known as like a, a graphic designer. Um that's just generally what I do as a profession, but uh, I made a lot of uh, retro-inspired uh, Sonic art uh, that people might have seen around the internet, um, most notably for putting a lot of uh, different Sonic media on uh, things like VHS tapes and uh, cassettes that uh, <laughs> definitely didn't come out <laughs> on those formats. I, I created um, a, co a cover for the, uh, the Sonic movie, uh, to make it look like a VHS tape. And that was back uh, before the movie came out back in November, 2019, I want to say. Um, and then right before the movie came out, I had the idea of like, you know, maybe I'll, t you know, or right after the movie came out, I'm sorry. I figured like, you know, well, why not take it a, take it a step further and actually put this thing on a, on a real tape, make it even more surreal. <laughs> Very vaporwave. Yeah. Yeah. De definitely. One of the, the, stylistic inspirations for that uh uh just because i i really like whenever i'm doing design pieces um so i've been a graphic designer for about three years now uh professionally whenever i'm doing like just general for fun pieces i really always like to lean towards retro style things like with that vaporwave aesthetic but also like to make them look you know very slightly weathered and, and older and a little more beat up uh depending on the subject um, like if I'm making posters and things like that. And uh, yeah, I, I got on a kick with a, a couple of templates where I just really wanted to make some VHS looking uh, designs. And uh, since I'm, you know, a huge fan of Sonic, that was that was the first subject where I felt comfortable to be like, all right, well, let's go ahead and try it out on a uh, try it out on Sonic. Right. What is it that you find what about VHS box art that you find so appealing? Hmm. Um. I feel like a lot of it is um, nostalgia. I mean, th th right. that's really what drives a lot of it, I think, is there's something comforting, you know, about seeing something that's familiar from, you know, when I was a kid. Um, and a lot of it just feels so very uh, 
just something about it is a little more inspired, I think, than most stuff now. Because, you know, whenever stuff is put on tape uh, and you have that cover art, it's it's normally not just, you know, the poster that was hanging in the movie theater. Um, it's normally, you know, that they do like particular art for the VHS release that was a lot of it used to look, you know, like hand drawn and painted and things like that. But I think another thing I miss about old VHS cover art that I find really appealing is there's not like a billion different advertisements on it. (laughs) You know, it's, it's most of the time it's just a poster for the film. There's nothing about linking your rewards account or the digital copy included or, you know, anything like that. It's just, it's, even though it's, you know, older and obviously design taste change and thing, but it's it's just something very clean about how you're being presented as this is it's exactly what it is. It's the movie, not five other things being sold to you on the case of a movie. <laughs> yeah, a lot of the a lot of the nineteen uh, nineties VHS box art, um yeah, mm-hmm. it definitely has this this kind of exaggerated uh, kind of glossy sort of finish to it um mm-hmm. thinking a lot of like the ninja turtles vhs home yeah. releases uh that definitely does not look like any kind of animation in the show um a lot of it is mm-hmm. more, more like their skin is is a, more of a bright green uh mm-hmm. their faces are rounder it actually looks kind of uh looney toony yeah uh not anything that was actually captured from the show but it, it really was customized for the cover itself by different artists mm-hmm. Um, that also includes the uh, the Sat Am and the uh, Adventures of Sonic the Hedgehog box art, which oh yeah, <laughs> look uh, a little bit crazy to me. Yeah. Oh man, what am I? Yeah, it feels like, like they that? always had like uh, outsourced artists who were like probably given like four or five images to work oh, off. Oh yeah, <laughs> what is up with that? Yeah, I remember when yeah. I saw that in the supermarket. I'm like. Wait, that's Sonic. <laughs> not like Sonic, but he looks weird. Is that the same show I've been watching every Saturday? Yeah. Like, yeah. What? I kind of remember the scene they're referencing, but I don't remember it happening like that. <laughs> Is that like, Grounder? What? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> like, you remember those? Did you ever see like those? What was it? Was it Eastern Europe where they have like those movie posters that were like paintings, and they're just like they're mm-hmm. they're so awful. I mean, it's not that yeah. bad, but it's kind of close. <laughs> Well, maybe that's maybe that's too much of an insult. Maybe maybe we might get somebody who made one of the poster art. We could we could ask him about why he made that design. Um, yeah, but definitely you've got those those outsourced artists where you're kind of just like, have, I don't think that person's seen the thing that they're making this cover for. <laughs> yeah, I mean, def- if, if we pitch down lower, um, a lot of the what is it the the localized like uh, regular Nintendo games from oh, the yeah. era before. Like, I mean, of course, we all know like the Mega, the Mega Man 1 box art, which is pretty mm-hmm. infamous, where probably the uh, artist had no idea what Mega Man was, even was, or more, nor, nor did anyone else, I suppose, at the time. But, right. Oh, man. Um, oh, man, look at that. That's He looks, looks like a constipated dork. <laughs> okay. Could you imagine that? how that conversation must have went it's like we want you to bring us mega man like what's right. mega man i don't know just think figure it out we need a box it's art by tomorrow go <laughs> in, in comparison like the european box art for the first mega man game is incredible like that that looks that looks awesome oh man wow okay um 
So, Alex, anyway, I, want, so. <laughs> I wanted to ask you, how has the reception been to the Sonic box art that you've made for the VHS? Um, honestly, surprisingly well. Um, and I didn't really expect it to be the case. Um, I feel like I had a lot of help from it initially, uh, just because I originally didn't put anything on tape. I just made that one uh, poster for the Sonic movie that looked like it was, you know, a VHS insert, like a cover art insert into like a uh, one of those like clamshell cases. Um, but what really made it take off was, um, I mean, just like anything on Twitter is the right person seeing it. Um, and at the time when I posted it, uh, I was really proud of it. I hadn't done anything like super retro inspired before, but I was happy enough with it, you know, that I was going to post it and be like, oh, you know, the, you know, the same 10 or 12 people I interact with on Twitter will see this. Um, but suddenly, uh, it was like 1030 in the morning in the middle of a work day. Um, and my phone just started going off. Um, and I was able to track down that the director of the Sonic movie, Jeff Fowler, uh, oh, wow. saw it and retweeted it, um, and commented on it, said he loved it, uh, that, that he loved like that retro style of, it. and I was like, that's awesome. That's amazing. You know, um, I mean, who, who would you, who like, like of all people you would want to see this, you know, the guy who's directing the movie, right? That's amazing. Um, and you know, that, that gave it a little bit of traction, but then, um, after it died down a little bit, I got my phone just, I almost had to turn it off because it was going off because then Ben Schwartz replied to me on Twitter and said he loved it. And that definitely <laughs> brought in the audience for like all the people who saw it, you know, you've got literally the voice of Sonic saying that he likes your art, um, which was, uh, really surreal having been a fan for uh, like of this franchise, you know, for as long as I have as, you know, waking, you know, randomly on Twitter, not literally of course, but you know, Sonic the Hedgehog says you like it <laughs> or says that he likes your art. Um, and then, you know, then the official, <laughs> you're like, wait a minute, I know that account, <laughs> right? That's, that's a blue check mark. That's interesting. Um, and then, um, then the official Sonic the Hedgehog movie, Twitter retweeted it. And then Paramount Pictures retweeted it. And so, like, that definitely blew up my audience uh, for the people who uh, see that kind of stuff um, and, and, and who are into that kind of stuff. Um, and, you know, of course, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the interactions were from people who were, you know, casual fans and probably just movie fans in general. And then, you know, a lot of it were people from the Sonic fandom uh who I, I never really had interacted with before in a big way online because um, I, even though I've been a Sonic fan for most of my life, you know, I was never super into the, you know, online fandom of it. Not because I had any problem with it. It's just because, you know, I didn't really have personally, I didn't feel like I had a lot to contribute um, that most people that most other people wouldn't have, you know, other than just opinions. <laughs> um, but uh the, the reception after that, whenever I've been doing Sonic art, has been really cool. Um, after after that initial bit, I uh, decided to take it a little bit further after the movie came out and uh, put it on a physical VHS tape, you know, um, finished up the cover art. So it was like a slip cover, uh, made labels for the tape, uh, put the movie on the tape, you know, have had a completely finished product. Um, 
and that one got a lot of attention too, uh, specifically from the the Twitter account of the movie um, retweeted that one as well, and I got a lot of interactions from other Sonic fans. And um, what was really cool is I had people coming to me asking me how to make one, and not not just in the you know just oh cool how'd you do that, but like hey can you show me how to make this? Cause they wanted to make their own, which I thought was really cool. Um, and it was like this level of interaction I hadn't had with people about Sonic before, you know, cause they weren't wanting to know how to make their own VHS slipcover. They were wanting to know how to make their own Sonic movie tape, which was really fun and really cool to talk to people about. I think one of the people, um, who I helped make one, uh, what's his name? His name's, I think it's Savage extreme on Twitter, even got picked up by, a sonic stadium when he made his and they they wrote a whole article about it which was super cool to see um and then you know you see people posting their own and making their own and seeing people talking about on twitter like how making sonic vhs tapes is like this quiet trend <laughs> and it's just a, really cool to see that you know you set off like a, a a as tiny as this just like a little ripple of things through the fandom um and like a new way to uh to make art for this character. Um, and then, yeah, the latest one I did was the, I put Sonic mania adventures, that YouTube series on a uh, VHS. And that was also really cool. Cause uh, that one got noticed by um, people who work on the series. So like Aaron Weber and uh, I believe her name's Katie, who's now the, the lead social media person at Sonic. Um, and then just a bunch of other Sega employees who worked on games like Yakuza and stuff like that were retweeting it and talking about it. So that, that was also really cool. Um, and it, it was almost to the point where I was like, all right, I'm just gonna, you know, I almost want to retire from it now. You know, I don't, I don't know how, how much cooler things can be if I've got people who work at Sega and people who work on the movie, uh, talking about the, the things I've done, but, um, yeah, it, you never it, expect to get the cool attention experience. of like, uh, the higher ups, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's exactly. never really was, that was never your intent, right? No, never. I expected like if I hashtagged it like, you know, Sonic, <laughs> Sonic movie, box art. Yeah, I expect <laughs> like maybe six people with a Sonic avatar to like it, you know, that I don't follow or I don't know. I, I definitely never expected like to see a notification that said Paramount Pictures retweeted you like that's that's crazy. And definitely, like, definitely not something I ever expected to come from. And I, I definitely wasn't putting out my art being like, all right, I got to get noticed. <laughs> you know, it was just like, oh, I made a cool thing. And uh, and it's really cool when, you know, you've got Ben Schwartz being like, hey, you made a cool thing. So that 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 was definitely not the intention, but uh, a super happy side effect of the whole thing for sure. Yeah, yeah it definitely is unique that we live in an era now. Um, I find... Twitter itself to be toxic most of the time, but mm -hmm. uh, it does allow us to actually have a more recognizable voice amongst mm -hmm. um, the the celebrities and the the important people we admire on Twitter are mm -hmm. also very much interactable. Um, it, would, it very much surprised me when uh, I believe that Kevin Smith, the director of Clerks, he made a post mm -hmm. about um, some new script he was working on, and I think I replied saying, "Kevin Smith, it's my birthday." Uh, I, 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 I love Kevin Smith and he replied saying happy birthday Mark and I was like what really cool. <laughs> so I was uh, very uh, uh, I was very surprised by that so that was yeah that was along my first experiences as well <laughs> where uh, what <laughs> um, 
So, uh, yeah, yeah, I think that everyone has their own experience now where uh, mm-hmm. it, it is very much obtainable or not exactly easy, but uh, it's surprising that it, it's, the Internet has made it a much smaller world as opposed to when we were growing up when prior, prior to all of this. So, yeah, exactly. It, it like tore down that wall of like normal people and celebrity and that you could just tag a a celebrity and there's a chance they might see it and have something to say about it. It's, you know, it's, it's that simple nowadays. Like I, like you're saying with Kevin Smith, I've had him like something from me on Twitter before I've, you know, tagged wrestlers and things just because I had, you know, uh, comments and they would reply to me. So it, 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 it's really crazy how like, there's just no big wall anymore. Now, if you, for better or for worse, obviously, if you say something on Twitter and tag the person, there's always a chance that that person can see it, no matter, you know, no matter who they are, or what level of a celebrity or profile they have. Right. Yeah. No, I'd always, I've always thought like when you tag someone in a post, particularly on Twitter, it's always like you're putting them a part of the conversation. So, mm-hmm. I mean, who doesn't want to be part of the conversation, especially people <laughs> who are like, you know, they want to know what the other side is thinking. Yeah, because it's absolutely. probably pretty easy to be behind the scenes and wondering like, are people gonna like this movie? Are they gonna like this? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, like, hey, I definitely without Twitter, we wouldn't have the current Sonic in that movie. <laughs> you think that's what it was? Was it Twitter? I think that you know that that's probably you know making it too simple, but I, I think a lot of the outcry was definitely on Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. It seems to be the most public platform, opposed mm-hmm. to like Facebook or something. Or well, yeah, that's that's where uh, that's what makes it the worst platform. But also, um, <laughs> I mean, it, it's it's a place. It, it is genuinely a place for people to complain about everything. Um, yeah, I but, mean, it's. Uh, I would say the initial reaction was, yeah, the trailer got a number of thumbs down. Mm-hmm. Uh, potentially rivaling that that Ghostbusters movie, and um, mm-hmm. uh, as I said, every almost every podcast now, yeah, as opposed to throwing it back at the fans and saying that they were wrong, um, the team behind the Sonic movie actually listened to the fan reaction. Mm-hmm. So yes, of course, the the Twitter response and the YouTube response made an impact, and they went back and they listened to their fans. Um, so this is a very important thing. Um, the idea of having fan and creator interaction, even on a Hollywood level, can really change the game and everyone can benefit from it. Um, mm-hmm. As opposed to, yes, uh, throwing it back on their faces and making excuses, saying, oh, well, this group of people, this entire group of people is sexist or racist. And if you don't go see the movie, then um, you're a bad person or whatnot, but, uh, um, which is the, 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 complete, the complete wrong way of going about it. Um, mm-hmm. and is absolutely ridiculous. Uh, but yeah, it, um, it definitely shows something important when we actually do have the ability to consciously influence the decisions of major creators. I definitely think that, uh, the art I made for the movie also definitely wouldn't have been nearly as uh, popular or taken off like it did if it, if that character hadn't been redesigned either. Um, cause I, I, de- I definitely didn't use the original, uh, design, uh, on anything I did. It was after, uh, that new trailer had dropped where they were, uh, showing his new look. So I, I definitely think, uh, 
uh, I wouldn't have had <laughs> nearly as much uh, notice on it with that original design for sure. And for sure, your career your career would probably be very different now. <laughs> if you, <laughs> very if you much use so. another design. <laughs> but. Wait a minute. So you're saying that like a lot of this kind of puts you into the whole design field? Or are you are you interested in design before Sonic and everything? Yeah, I, was, I mean the I was whole the, the VHS design. box art, I should say. Yeah, I was interested in design before Sonic. Um, I mean, I, I'm a in my day job, I'm I'm a graphic designer for a software company. Um, but I also do you know freelance stuff on the side just because that's how you can you know I I still even though it is my job, I do love art and graphic design. Um, so the the freelance stuff on the side is definitely uh my way of being able to do projects that I'm you know have more personal interest in. Um, so like, like I've done logos for, for podcasts and things like that and all, all sorts of different projects oh, really? that people wanted to work on. And, and I, I really enjoy doing that. Um, just because it's, you know, you can go out looking and be like, Hey, I like your band. Can I help you with your album art? You know, things like that. Um, but I, I can absolutely for sure with that, with that Sonic thing taken off, I had a lot more eyes on the, on the stuff that I do and have definitely, gotten you know projects and jobs and met people and done stuff with people design wise that uh i never would have been able to do before because you know they never would have found me if it weren't for uh for these like sonic retro art designs really can you tell us a story about any of these people or oh yeah my my personal favorite was i uh had a uh uh a hardcore band from Connecticut reach out to me on Twitter and say that they loved the the Sonic art I did and um, wanted me to design a VHS tape for them because they were putting one of their uh, album release shows on tape and they were going to be selling it uh, at shows, which uh, I, I love that idea of <laughs> like, you know, that, that seems very, uh, very nineties uh, DIY to me is putting your band stuff on a tape and, you know, selling it to people. Um, but yeah, they reached out to me because they wanted me to uh, design the the VHS tape and the VHS cover for uh, for their album release show. Um, and I worked with them on doing that. And that was really fun because uh, I, I, I used to uh, play in bands. Uh, I used to play like uh, in metal bands and stuff like that. So I, I always loved working with uh, with musicians on design stuff. And uh, they, they definitely, I mean, the guy said, you know, in his original message that uh, he loved the Sonic uh thing i did and i didn't know this person had no mutuals or anything like that and that it, it was a really fun to work uh work on something like that for somebody um and another band i've worked with is um a canadian band uh courage my love who i've also just helped them design like posters and social media posts and, and just different things like that um no, 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 like merch or anything or album or albums or anything like that, but just general social media stuff for them. Um, I think one of the ones I did for them recently is I took their album cover and replaced them with um, KK Slider from Animal Crossing for one of their uh, social media posts. Uh, and that was really cool. And again, that was that was purely because I was making some retro inspired art. Um, they had a music video that was uh, based on like 80s horror movies. And I made like a fake horror movie cover of VHS tape uh, for their music video. And they saw that, saw all my other work that I've done and wanted me to 
help them make some stuff as well. So um, that, that's those two have been my favorite so far, um, purely because I, I love working with uh, with bands on that on that kind of stuff. Okay. And I, I made a bunch of different physical ones this way too. Like um, I made one for uh, Avengers Endgame, um, Scott Pilgrim versus the World, and Into the Spider Verse, and uh, and Thor Ragnarok. Those are all the ones I've made that are like not Sonic related. Um, which I post those. I probably should have mentioned this too. I post those on my quote unquote video store um, called Anchor Video. Um, and I, I post those just like on my, on Instagram and stuff like that. And, uh, people can purchase them, but, uh, I always have to tell them too, that I'm not selling you the actual movie. <laughs> I'm selling you a VHS tape that might have like previews on it or something. Um, but I'm not like all the ones I keep from my personal collection that I build or, you know, always going to have the movie on them because that's just you know for personal use but <laughs> whenever i've done custom pieces for people I always have to be like now please understand <laughs> this is not going to have thor on a vhs tape i'm not allowed to do that legally <laughs> right right uh, so let me ask a little bit about as you being a designer uh, what can you tell me about sonic's design overall that makes you feel some sort of you know what what kind of significance does it have for you his design is like I feel like his design is super accessible, um, especially for people who are artists or grew up drawing as kids and are artists now. Cause I feel like his simplicity is what makes him so iconic. Um, I feel like with cartoon characters, you gotta have that recognizable silhouette. Like if you look at an outline of Mickey mouse, you're like, that's Mickey mouse, right? You see the two ears, you, you know, immediately. And I'm sure, you know, there's also that pop culture influence on that. But, you know, you, you get what that character is. And I feel like if you see that outline of Sonic, you get that. You get what it is and you know who it is. Um, and I think what makes him such a, you know, design-wise such a good-looking character is that he's easy for kids to draw. Um He's dynamic enough in terms of like, you know, his design, like the, the sharp spikes and uh, the big expressive eyes um, that make him also really fun for, you know, uh, popular art, like just, just you know, modern artists to draw. Um, and I feel like he's got a lot of flexibility in his design that he can be... Um, interpreted a bunch of different ways i mean you know as we've seen over the years just through the comic books right you you know there's been probably over a hundred different artists who have drawn sonic in the comics and each one of them have their own take on this character but none of them outside of maybe ron Lim, i think <laughs> would you look at it and oh, be dude. and never and never <laughs> think that that's not sonic you know what i mean yeah. <laughs> no disrespect to ron Lim. Uh, it'd be interesting he's, to ask he's great him. in marvel comics his marvel comics work is amazing but i have no idea what what he was thinking when he was drawing sonic no disrespect to ken penders or ron Lim, but i don't <laughs> i think they're best suited for i think what was it i think it was here on this podcast we were saying mm -hmm. they're, they're better drawing off human characters yeah more I'm more of a stephen butler and james fry guy uh for those artists from the comics what design of Sonic would you say is your favorite? Ooh, uh, 
three D. Say the Mohawk. Say the Mohawk. <laughs> yeah, the, the the Greg Barton Sonic. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think oh, my favorite man. uh in in the games because I'll I'll split this up into animation and games. Three D game wise, I love the Sonic Adventure model with the with the fingers stuck together where it looks like he's just got mittens and he's got that weird you know fuzzy texture but there's you know nothing to it because he's like still really kind of pointy and polygony i love the the sonic adventure models uh the dreamcast sonic adventure models i i do not like the um the the adventure dx gamecube remake where they're all super shiny and everything and i don't like that but the dreamcast model for sonic adventure is probably my favorite 3d sonic animation wise i don't think it gets any better than the uh the sonic the hedgehog the movie ova i i don't think you get any better than that oh wow yeah yeah um i definitely Short do spikes light blue <laughs> i just i love it yeah i definitely i definitely like it as well um i think that the sonic OVA or the Sonic, um, the Sonic animated movie uh, definitely mm-hmm. does have a have a heavy influence from um, Yasushi see Yamaguchi's design that was based mm-hmm. on Sonic Two, Sonic CD, um, mm-hmm. which is my which is my favorite Sonic design at that. So that, that Sonic CD intro, yeah, is amazing, and that that that's definitely yeah, de- it's clearly definitely influenced by that. I think I think I like it more than the Sonic CD version just because you get more of it. <laughs> outside of the intro because obviously that intro is probably the one of the best representations of sonic and like his abilities and like what makes that character so expressive and, and fun to watch um i think i just like the ova because it's like now i get 60 minutes of that <laughs> obviously not to that degree but I, I still love it i'm actually quite a big fan of uh, not 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 dreamcast sonic but i like um the aesthetic of like Sega Saturn polygonal graphics. So the stuff yeah. you see, say like in the Sonic Jam like uh, mm-hmm. character model, as well as the Sonic Fighters uh, game, um, or the, uh, I, the Sonic Mania bonus stage. That also looks. Oh yeah, it looks very very Sega yeah. Saturnist, right? So I, mm-hmm. I I like as far as like the kind of like retro three D polygonal graphics. Uh, those are among my favorites. Uh, mm-hmm. The more the more blocky kind of Sega Saturn aesthetic. Yeah, it's doing more with less. There's something a lot more charming about them. Mm. So, what, what would you, would you say that the Dreamcast designs are your biggest influence as a graphic designer when it comes to Sonic? Uh, actually, yeah, <laughs> I think that that might be um, one of my biggest influences just as a graphic designer in general is the Dreamcast era of gaming mm-hmm. um because there are a lot of times where i'll get kind of stuck <laughs> working on a project and i'll just pop open like a really old video game magazine and go get digging through stuff because a lot of that late 90s um aesthetic that you might have seen for video game ads for like the dreamcast or the original playstation stuff has kind of been making its way back around some of the elements into like a lot of modern designs that that people are putting out. Um, And a lot of those old Dreamcast games or Dreamcast ads, I mean, have really helped give me like ideas for, for breaking down, like maybe that, that little wall I have as a designer and, you know, working on a project. Um, And plus it always helps to get ideas from things that you just really like, you know? Um, So 
a little bit of it is, all right, I, I just want to read through and look through some old design work and, you know, see if I can get some inspiration. Um, and then, oh, you know, the other half of it is like, I like getting inspiration from things that I like. Um, so, yeah, I, I would definitely say that that a lot of that old stuff, especially like that Dreamcast era, definitely has an influence on um, a lot of the design stuff I've done. Um, with, the, with the VHS and retro stuff, that's probably a little more design or influenced by the original Sonic era, like the very early 90s. Um, just because that fits, you know, the, that that you know timeline a little bit more in terms of like design aesthetic and things like that, because um, I feel like late '90s, 2000s VHS stuff is kind of just really what we have now for DVDs and things like that. Um, but I mean, one of the pieces I made is I remade the um, the Sonic the Hedgehog one Genesis box art with um, the movie Sonic in it. That was another piece I did that was uh, really fun and uh, a lot of people. Um, <clears throat> in the fandom uh really liked and uh and shared and seemed to really dig that um so it might it, it might come from both of those but i think as as a designer a lot of my stuff is influenced by you know a lot of that video game ad aesthetic from the late 90s but for a lot of my um sonic retro stuff that that's definitely more influenced by very early 90s um video games and and ads so, um, what do you think it is about the blue hedgehog that has kept people's interests, you know, intact, you know, over all this time? What do you think it is that, you know, it's like you see so many characters like, uh, what's that one from Xbox? The cat with the green eyes. Do you know what I'm talking about? Is it Lynx? Blinks? Yeah, Blinks. Blinks. Thank you. The time sweet Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like. Um, Wasn't that like Oshima as well? that i don't know i think i think i think i think oshima oshima actually directed that game oh really so, yeah, yeah, yeah i'm i'm 100 sure it was him I mean, oh maybe, yeah let me, let me check on that but uh blink yeah. the cat uh yeah blink's the cat's a good example of like uh characters that really didn't make it because i mean you saw in like the early 90s when sonic was so huge that you saw a bunch of copycats like gex the chameleon um what are the well, the, 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 the 90s <laughs> definitely was the time for mascots. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, so, uh, video game mascots, yeah. So more on that, actually, yeah. Uh, ironically, Blinks the Cat, the uh, or Blinks the Time, the time Sweeper, uh, the director was Naoto Oshima, who was the designer of mm -hmm. Sonic. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's so, interesting. Call it a copycat or not, but yeah, he was responsible for his work on Blinks the Time Sweeper and also Blinks 2, the sequel. Um, so yes, that, that was that was his new baby after Sonic. Hmm. Right. Well, well, my question here is why has the character had such a long lifespan? And it seems like he's in, he's at no point in time like going to be disappearing mm -hmm. anytime soon. Because sometimes you see like the, the lifespan of certain uh, characters um, mm -hmm. I mean call this a false equivalency but sometimes you don't see characters associated with certain products anymore maybe usually because of like um, maybe scandals like with Avoid the Noid even though they're trying to bring him back <laughs> but um, maybe like Ronald McDonald or here in Japan mm -hmm. you have stuff like um, mascots like based upon prefectures like Kumamon and Funashi which uh mm -hmm. People are, they're kind of like, they come and go in terms of popularity, but I, I have this better feeling with Sonic. It seems like 
he's kind of had this long um, history opposed to a lot of these other characters. Mm-hmm. What do you think it is about this character that, you know, means more to people than it is like other characters? Because, I mean, obviously, this character brought us here today. So yeah. <laughs> it must have some significance. I think it's because Sonic, they did a really good job with making him something besides just a video game character. Um, I feel like, I mean, my first, ex- my first uh, exposure to Sonic was the, was a sad am the, the Saturday morning cartoon. Um, I didn't even know he was a video game character. Yeah. Really? Um, yeah and then, you know, wow. I just loved that cartoon. Um, then, you know, one day my mom came home. She goes, oh, my gosh, Alex, they make comic books based on this cartoon you like. And I was like, that's crazy. So I was reading the cartoon or the comic books and watching the cartoon. And then, you know, eventually I was like, oh, my gosh, they make video games about that cartoon he likes. So my mom got me into video games. And, you know, of course, you know, then I found out like, oh, he's a video game character first. But I think it's because there's so much different media for Sonic that there's a there's always going to be a version of him that appeals to somebody because that's an interesting take yeah the sad am sonic is not the video game sonic you know he's not from sonic 2 uh adventures of sonic the hedgehog sonic maybe but (laughs) um you know the the comic book sonic he's not the same as the video game version either uh you know you've got things like uh sonic underground sonic boom uh you've got games like sonic spinball uh, Dr. Robotics, Mean Bean Machine, you know, like he's got all these different spinoffs. And and I think um, what what really has made him stick around is that there's always going to be media about this character that's not video game exclusive, which I think is really important. You know, there wasn't a Blinks of <laughs> the Time Sweeper comic book or anything like that at the time. Um, so I, I think what, what makes Sonic awesome is that they – at the very beginning, we're already pushing him out into other media forms uh, to have people be exposed to this character. Um, I think another thing that was really smart is that they continued to soft reboot this character as time went on. Okay. Um, so I think that like the Sonic Heroes era Sonic is very specifically targeted towards kids who were into very specific things in 2004 that might not have been into the same things in 1993 if that makes sense i feel like 19 obviously you know like 1993 was a very different time uh sonic was presented a little differently like you know as as he he had a you know like almost a bad attitude he was edgy he was you know like an mtv version of like a mario character almost you know then you get to the mid 2000s Sonic games presented more towards kids who maybe watch like Fox box uh, after school, you know, like they're really into uh, Yu-Gi-Oh and Ninja Turtles and, and things like that. So he's presented more like, you know, almost uh, not Shonen style, but like a little cleaner, you know, he's got his own, his cast of characters was brought to the forefront a little bit more compared to the older games. Um, and then as you get into 2006, uh, I don't know what happened there. Um, but then, <laughs> then, then as you move forward. He had a fat just, Elvis you know, day. Yeah. Shadow the Hedgehog. Yeah. Shadow and then the as Hedgehog. you move forward, yeah. like Sonic Unleashed Sonic is a little more Pixar influenced, you know, a little more 
kid movie influenced and i feel like they've slowly been able to reinvent that character to always appeal to the kids of that time period when they're putting out this game because at the end of the day we all love this character and he's got media for people our age as well but you know the main reason we all like sonic is because we all liked him when we were kids and i think what keeps him you know in the forefront and having this longevity is a we're all older now. So we like this character a lot, you know, like we have a deep affinity and nostalgia for this character um, along with just still liking him, of course, but they've never forgotten that at the end of the day, it's a character that is for kids. Um, Obviously, you know, that I don't want that to sound reductive because, you know, that, you know, a lot of people, when they say this character right. for kids, that's implication that the quality is bad. And that's not the case. Um, right, I feel like right. he's, he's presented to kids, but it's something that, you know, anybody in the family can watch. I think the perfect example is the movie. That's not a kid's movie. That's a family movie. You know, it's obviously simple enough that kids will love it, but it's not sim- too simple to the fact that it's insulting to an adult watching it. Um and I feel like that's something they never forgot is they were always able to appeal to kids because at the end of the day, that's who's going to keep carrying this franchise forward because now you've already got people who played Sonic Heroes when they were super young and are now having, you know, being older now, super nostalgic for things of that era. Absolutely. I think yeah. that's always going to be what's continuing to go forward. I would say that, yes, I'm a much... Uh, a similar franchise is Ninja Turtles, which has yes, repeatedly yeah. gone through the ages of uh, very similar in the sense that Ninja Turtles is meant to sell figures rather than video games. But mm-hmm. um, they have been soft rebooted repeatedly, and they have had their own comp- their own comic book line um, that is meant to both appeal to kids and adults. They have been reinvented mm-hmm. repeatedly. Um, a very similar history to Sonic when you think more about it. Yeah, comparatively. Um, whereas, sorry, I uh, since you were mentioning mascot characters I, I went down a rabbit hole of looking at uh the <laughs> history of, of, of of bubsy and, uh, <laughs> oh no oh, not man. bubsy yeah oh, i'd rather talk about the noid did, did, did you did you <laughs> did you know that there was actually a, a there was actually a bubsy game that came out in 2019 like ah oh, jesus yeah. christ um like a, anyway like let's, a let's not talk about something Let's not talk about that. Let's not talk about that. But uh, <laughs> well, why, uh, do you, but, why do you bring it up? <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm sorry. I, I went down a rabbit hole of terrible mascot characters. And um, oh, right, you want some references, right? Uh, Bubsy could be uh, <laughs> comparable as being yes, another edgy character from the early '90s. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe it was actually '93. Apparently, there actually even even was a television pilot uh, for mm. an animated series sponsored by Taco Bell. Um, but uh, that's some synergy yeah. right there. Hey, Mark, <laughs> what what could possibly go wrong? <laughs> Wasn't Bubsy that 3D. what he said? Bubsy 3D. Yeah, that's that's probably uh, what wrong. That's right. I, I think mentioning these copycat characters, too, is also what helps Sonic have that longevity is he's he wasn't a copy of Mario outside of he was meant to be a mascot. You know, he was very clearly his own thing. The first character that was like that. Like, you know, oh, a cartoon character, but he's got like a bad attitude and he goes really fast. Um, And it was, you know, it was just very clear that anyone that came after that didn't try to become their own thing. They were just trying to copy the formula of Sonic or Mario. And I think that's what also has made him such a long lasting character compared to. I mean, 
Bubsy, yes. I mean, we're not sitting here calling Sonic a copycat, you know, and I think it's it's because he was the first character of that kind. So obviously that that says something to his success as well as people are not going to remember him as anything but the first of that kind. Um, Bubsy definitely was a copycat of Sonic. Even the original, oh, yeah. uh, the original designer <laughs> has decided that he played uh, Sonic the Hedgehog extensively, and took <laughs> and took incredible inspiration from the, from the game. Um. Anyway, uh, Alex, anything you want to say before we go? Um. Yeah, I guess I I can uh I'll do a quick plug and say that uh people can uh follow me and look at all of my uh retro inspired art and all my, my Sonic designs on, on Twitter. Uh, I'm uh, at clobber in time. Uh, that's T H Y M E. And, um, I also post a lot of all of my exclusively like custom VHS stuff on Instagram at, uh, anchor video store. So that's, that's a uh, pretty much, uh, where all, all of my design work is going to be is on those two accounts. Okay. Can I ask why, why is it called anchor video? Um, you just like, because, anchors? uh, I like I like the name, but also because the initials make it AV, uh, like audio, oh, audio visual. I, I just thought that was pretty fun, or audio okay. visual. Yeah, I thought that was pretty fun when I was making it up. <laughs> okay, interesting. That's a, that's clever. I mean, what is they always like uh, a lot of titles? They have to have like puns or alliteration yeah. in it. Okay. <laughs> Uh, for myself, you can find me uh, at RadCulture on Twitch.tv. Uh, sometimes I stream Sonic games during the weekdays, usually on Wednesdays around 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. to around noon. Um, be sure to go on down to the Sonic Discord. The links are down below. Everything is down below that we're talking about. Um, introduce yourself if you want to become a Sonic historian and help us out with some of the facts that we got wrong today. Feel free to, you know, set the record straight. Be sure to choose a role, introduce yourself, tell us who you are, you know, have a long conversation with us. We love it, I think. Right, Mark? What, what do you think, um, Mark? <laughs> I, try, I try my best. I try my best. Yeah. All right, we'll try our best. We'll try our best. Uh, come, come on down. So, uh, yeah, with Mark, uh, do you want to give off your social plugs? Uh, sure. You can actually find me on Instagram. I'm Super Famicom. And on Twitch, I occasionally stream retro games or RPGs uh, where I am known as Famicom Mark. Uh, ironically, I'm more of a sega guy and not so much of a nintendo guy but hey <laughs> hey you should just be glad that you got that username <laughs> yeah so i don't mark. change it I, I, whoever has the mega drive instagram name i should trade of them make mega, <laughs> mega drive mark <laughs> yeah it doesn't, doesn't really have the same ring to it i guess who, all right the then anyway i'm sorry no uh, no, no it's okay <laughs> yeah i guess it doesn't have, well it's more alliteration oh wait no it's not there's a d and drive <laughs> all right then so uh until then i'm radry and i'm mark and that was alex from it's clobbering time see you next time guys bye 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 Um, have you read a lot of the Archie and IDW Sonic comics? Are you, uh, are you a big fan or collector of these? Very big fan. <laughs> um, 
I've got about three long boxes full of the uh, the Archie comics. That was that was my main uh, gateway into Sonic, uh, especially gr- growing up. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm a huge fan of the uh, the Archie run, um, and I, I do read the the IDW comics uh, monthly. I really enjoy those as well. Um, but yeah, the the Archie comics were definitely my main source of like Sonic uh, for a very long time. Um, cause I mean, you know, of course you have the games, but you don't get a new game every month. Uh, but you do get a new Sonic comic every month. So that, that was, that was pretty much, uh, my main source of Sonic, uh, for a long time. Um, I have a, I have a real fondness for those comics. Um, it's a funny story for the Archie. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a really funny story because if you, if you, go back and reread those now there are there are a lot of moments where i'm kind of like i don't know how i ate this up as a kid <laughs> i really don't um anything in particular the, i'm actually rereading them myself um n- <laughs> knuckles um <laughs> what about that, knuckles that, um his i mean I'm trying to think of where to start. You're talking about maybe, Ken Penders knuckles? It's easier to say Ken about? Penders, I think. Yeah, that's okay. probably the easier thing to say. Especially like when it first started. I, I remember this very specifically as a kid. I loved the Knuckles miniseries. The very first bit where it just introduced um, Enerjack and Archimedes the Fire Ant. Like that was mm-hmm. it, right? It was just those those two characters. I loved that. And I still think that that holds up pretty well. It's when Knuckles became like this weird meta savior of the universe thing. And, you know, the comics. I don't think I got that far. (laughs) (laughs) Would include like family trees and things like that. Like I just that was a bit much. Um, As a kid, I loved it because, you know, I like Sonic. I'm getting more of Sonic. You know, that that was pretty much the (laughs) that that was the low bar for me as a kid rereading them as a as an adult there was yeah the, a lot of the knuckles stuff in his family tree and his own personal relationships and things like, that, things like that there was just a lot of stuff where i was like i just don't know if i i need this I, this was a feels like they it feels like they should have reined this guy in a long time ago <laughs> um well yeah if you ever watch his interview on midnight said you can get a little perspective on that i don't know if you've watched uh, that Oh, they're my favorite. Midnight's Edge is my favorite, my favorite uh, YouTube podcast. His Twitter account really bums me out. <laughs> just because he'll say things about his time on the comic and it just, you know, he'll say certain things. And I'm like, I really didn't want to know that about these characters <laughs> because, and it's even weirder that you're saying these things because you were making these comics for kids who were like eight years old. So it, I'm it, guessing just, you're talking about the love triangle between Sally Acorn and Jeffrey St. John. I hate that. <laughs> I hate that. He would say like, oh, there's, there's these things I wish I could have done. And I, I, you know, I wasn't able to, and I was like, dude, I was nine when I was reading this. Why would you have wanted to put that in a comic book? It was still kind of weird. I mean, it was weird. Like when you're nine years old and you're looking at this huge, like full page panel of Mm -hmm. Sonic kissing Sally. And I'm like, what, what am I supposed to be feeling? I mean, I I know that like set M, I really, when I recently Mm -hmm. rewatched it, 
I remember this feeling of like, why is Sally kissing everybody? Like you don't see <laughs> this and you don't see this in normal other cartoons. I mean, right. do you? I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. But <laughs> and was, I'm like, no. <laughs> and I think that was really rare at the time. And I remember at the time, I remember not being grossed out by it, but or maybe I was. Mm. I don't even remember. So like my feelings are kind of conflicted. Um back from those times yeah. and yeah when you you read the pender stuff it's kind of like you wonder what was really going on behind yeah. the scenes with that character but or characters I feel like it was a case of like uh what was that other there, there's this movie that always were like kind of liking to see was um that old anime uh urusai yatsura um, okay they did that movie beautiful dreamer and right. it was this I can't remember the director's name, but he was known for a lot deeper, more in-depth storytelling with very psychedelic visuals and just really out there stuff. And they were like, hey, take this romantic comedy anime and make a movie. And it felt like he was just telling a story he already wanted to tell, but he had to use these characters. And I feel like that's what a lot of Ken Pender stuff was on Sonic is he had a story he wanted to tell. He was just unfortunately yeah. stuck with Sonic characters. Okay. Um, and there's a lot of stuff that I do look back on the comics fondly of his creations. Like the, uh, I loved the down under freedom fighters. Um, what was the, uh, I loved that, that whole search for Nagus story and like starting with like around issue six. Was that, was that Pender's? I think so. Okay, I need to go uh, through be, this entire uh, and thing. And I might be getting all this muddled up, but just, just well, for the This is why we're historians like, here, trying to get yeah. the facts right. <laughs> but for the sake of just saying about the comics in general, um, I love. Yeah, there's a, a lot more that I look back on it fondly than I don't. Um, yeah. But definitely once I learned more about Penders as a writer, the, the more it was harder to look back on some of those things fondly, but I will, I'll say it now. My favorite creation of his was the down under freedom fighters. <laughs> were they his characters? Yeah. Yeah. They did make, okay. they, they were created for the comic book. Cause I know there's, what's his name? Fang, the sniper or knack, the weasel. If you're in the uh, States, knack I the guess. weasel. And then a uh, Nick, the weasel, who was his sister was also another creation. Oh, that's right. He had a sister. Didn't comics. he? There was a was was that, that was that San uh, excuse me was that Sega Canon or was that just created for the Archie comic? Oh, a hundred percent for the Archie comic. Yeah. Okay. All right. I need to get pretty this much straight, if, if a if a family member appeared, it was probably just for the comic book. Okay. Um, Sega doesn't do families. Got it. No, no, <laughs> they definitely did not make what was his name, Robba the Hedge, who was just Robin I don't even Hood, know who that is. Oh, yeah, that but, one, yeah. In uh, Mercia, where uh, Antoine's roboticized father was the sheriff of Snottingham. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah, that. I think that's why I stopped reading. I stopped after issue 70. Because um, it got pretty... Mm. It got pretty diverse. Because I think mm -hmm. a lot of what it is with a lot of the comics, which I'll probably talk you know a lot about more here coming mm -hmm. in the coming podcasts, is... A lot of like what you saw in the comics was kind of like what they would take from the games. So like Sonic yeah. Adventure came out and obviously they had that whole plot line with uh, Tikal, the Echidna. And, you know, of course, you want to see that in the comic. You know, you don't yeah. want to see like, um, what's that character? He's tell me his name again. Edge the Arrow Man or <laughs> what was his oh, name? Rob, Rob of the... Rob of the Hedge. Rob of the Hedge. Come on. <laughs> what is that pun? All right. I guess I got when I get there I'll I'll uh 
I'll have an opinion. I'll admit it too. I loved him as a kid. (laughs) Oh, really? Okay. All right. Well, maybe I'll like the character. Who knows? Well, I was, I was a kid too. So, you know, pretty much if the comic did anything, I was like, this is the best thing ever because, (laughs) you know. Right. You know, at that time it was novel because, uh, what's kind of funny reading it today is, you know, because, you know, the based upon the world we live in today, you know, what we were talking mm-hmm. earlier, you know, when you watch Dragon Ball Z, everything that was like serialized, it was hard to catch anything on television or, mm-hmm. you know, like when you got like one magazine, that was your magazine that you got for the entire yeah. month. You know, it wasn't like there's a new mag, there's a new panel or a couple of pages, you know, next week or the, the week, you know, next, next mm-hmm. week or something. So it it's kind of like it's it's strange being being looking at some of it now and thinking, oh, this is all I had for the entire month, so I'm going to soak yeah. all of it in. And mm-hmm. you know, being an adult, I don't really have all that time to soak all right. of it in, but I kind of have to if I'm going to be doing this podcast, right. uh, which makes it kind of hard to keep moving forward and getting to these later plot lines and these threads. And mm-hmm. I kind of feel like these storylines. These later storylines, they kind of, uh, I mean, maybe you can argue against me with this, and I'm fine with it. Um, they kind of take away from Sega Sonic, and it kind of, like, detracts a little bit. Oh, I think- yeah. Yeah, it definitely feels like it um, is expanding upon the Sat-Am characters and not the the video game characters. And it feels definitely like when a video game tie-in happens, they have to try really hard to integrate it into their current canon in the comics. Like right. uh, when Sonic Adventure came out, they had to dedicate like two issues or so just to why do the characters look different now? <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, I remember and, that where they changed Amy's style. It's like Amy's got a new style. Yeah. And, <laughs> like, she, and it, was because she, it was because she, you know, spoilers for a 20 year old comic book made a wish upon the ring of acorns because she wasn't old enough to go on missions with the team. So she wanted to be older. Yeah. That was like a whole issue or Sonic. Why is his quills long? And why, why are his eyes green? Oh, well it's because he turned into hypersonic and led a time beam away from the center of Mobius. Like, <laughs> I, I remember all this actually. Yes. Yeah. I actually do remember this. Oh, the lamp shading is off the charts here. <laughs> and again, I need to get to this part. You're right. If if you if you like the Sega character, it's a little tougher to get into because there were it's very clear that this comic book was based on the Saturday morning cartoon and when you run out of the Saturday morning cartoon, it just kind of goes on in the same spirit and vein of that cartoon and not necessarily the games. So it's kind of like you've got a Street Fighter, the movie, the game situation here of like, yeah, that's a good analogy. You've got a video game or a TV show based on a video game. But this is a comic book based on a TV show based on a video game. How did Sonic get his green eyes? Um, I think it was because he got struck by the time beam while he was some weird super version at the time. Um, And it aged him up by like two or three years. And also the super form left his eyes green because when he during this whole issue, they made up like five different super forms because one of them was like Eco Sonic, I think, because as he kept running with the, okay. uh, the emeralds, he kept going up in tears. So it was very much a, a Dragon Ball Z-esque situation. Um, it was a uh, it was very weird at the time. Again, as a kid, I was just looking at it as like, wow, lore. Um, 
but looking back on it, I actually reread that issue that not the whole issue, but that little section of it just the other day. And it was uh definitely it felt really an out of the way way to explain that he just looks kind of different now. <laughs> oh man, I, I'm, I'm actually I'm actually looking at it right now. Yeah, like if they had just drawn him differently the next issue, I don't think I really would have like batted an eye. Yeah, it's just too much lampshading. That's what you call that, right? <laughs> lampshading. I'm pretty sure that's the correct terminology. Um, it, and I guess maybe there's no writers here. They, they would be able to confirm this. But because like I think the term lampshading means like you put a lamp over like a, a big bright light because that mm-hmm. bright light is so glaring and you know you need to cover that bright light from everybody looking at it because obviously it sticks out like a sore thumb so you put a nice lampshade over it (laughs) yeah and it's funny because in this case it seems like like i said if if they were just like oh he looks different now and didn't even acknowledge it it just drew him different yeah i I think oh he looks like adventure sonic but instead they were like (laughs) instead they were like oh god we have to dedicate a whole issue as to why he looks different Yeah, because I think the one biggest thing that kind of freaked me out about Archie a little bit was when the the series got a little bit farther, you know, uh, who's the, I forgot who it was that drew Sonic, but I really liked that design in the early couple of Archie issues, like the first uh, one through 15, maybe. uh, That was uh, Scott Shaw. Scott Shaw, thank you. Um, And he's still kind of with Sonic as well, right? Mm -hmm. He still draws stuff. Or he drew a lot of the Archie covers, even up until they got canceled. Is um, that correct? The cover guy, the most prominent cover guy was uh, Spaz or Patrick Spaziante, I think. Right, right, right. Who was their main I, like cover guy. I haven't seen Scott Shaw do anything Sonic-wise in a, in a really long time. Well, because some of the earlier Sonics is mostly like one of these, uh, I guess you could say more Looney Tunes-esque. Yeah, like yeah, lots of uh, so. fourth wall breaks and everything. It could have been something as simple as... Hey, Sally, I'm not going to have the mohawk anymore. And then you cut to the next panel. He doesn't have the mohawk. <laughs> and then they <laughs> you know? shifted to uh, introducing more Saddam storylines. And that's when it had that weird tonal shift of, oh, it was slapstick parodying like the Flash last issue. And now they have to save her father from the zone of silence. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's... the the tonal shift really, I think that really does mess with it. It's mm-hmm. uh Maybe how some people kind of feel with uh, the prequels of Star Wars, particularly mm-hmm. the third one. I'm not sure. I, don't, I think some people still think of those fondly. What's your, what's your mm. take on those? I know this is not Sonic related, but I, I kind of want to know. I rewatched them in a long time, but I will say I look back on Phantom Menace really fondly. Yeah, it's um, weird, right? Yeah, because it was the really, first for Star me, Wars it's weird. movie of my like. It was the first new Star Wars movie of like my life. You know, right? Like that, all the other ones already existed. But this was a new Star Wars and it was, oh my gosh, it was, you know, pandering towards people my age. Um, So I I look back on that one pretty fondly, despite a lot of the things that, you know, people don't like about it and the prequels in general. But um, it has Darth Maul in it. So that's that's really all it takes for me me to enjoy it is it has Darth Maul and it has that uh, fight between uh, him and Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon with a Duel of the Fates play. Yeah, I was thinking about that today. Darth Maul. Do you think he's based on Shadow at all? Do you think there's any kind of connection? (laughs) (laughs) I was thinking about that. Um, Oh, yes. Edgy the edgy. Uh, 
You know Darth Maul. Don't you think some of his design is kind of like inspired for Shadow the Hedgehog? Or you think not at all? Wait, wait. Are, are we saying are we saying that uh, Darth Maul inspired Shadow, or Shadow inspired Darth Maul? But Darth Maul and Shad inspired Shadow. I don't know. I guess it, I kind of st- could see that because I've seen Shadow's like um, original concept art, and none of his original concept art even remotely resembles what we got. Like I can't find any concept art of that middle middle link. You know, you've mm, always yeah. got the Shadow with the scar over his eye and the droopy quills and the big boots and everything, and then you got the one we have now. But I never see any concept art of like how did you get from that to that? Hmm. Because uh, I I did hear one podcast. Uh, I forgot the name. It's a Japanese one where they were talking about Shadow's design, and they mm. were talking about how his design was strictly you know inspired by like Kabuki, like you know like the faces mm. that they have in Kabuki. Yeah. Uh, I should go back and listen to it to get a better uh, take on it. But I think that's one of the inspirations. I'm not entirely sure because I'm not sure who the designer is. Uh, um, I just... Help me out, Mark. I, 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 in my personal opinion, I, I think that this Shadow of the Hedgehog is, is, is Vegeta. That's, it. <laughs> yeah, that's a good take on it. That's oh, yeah. Good. That, that, but I've, uh, uh, yeah, Shadow of the Hedgehog is, is Vegeta. That, that's it. So, Huh. Yeah, I could see that. Uh, so you you're a fan of the IDW Sonic comics. Yeah. Um what what's your take on IDW? I I think um like you were saying about the Archie comics is you can't you don't feel like that's um in any way like you you don't feel the presence of like the Sega lore of Sonic in that at all. I feel like IDW definitely addresses that and it feels like it's very much a comic book based on these video games and while it's still doing its own things because i mean at the end of the day um you have to you know because you can only (laughs) you can only um adapt sonic forces for so many issues um i feel like uh it's really good at doing what it does and it feels like it's it's very much still taking place in that world of the the video game version of sonic and what I do like is they're expanding their cast of characters with original characters, but none of them feel overbearing like the Archie comic had, um, where a lot of those old side characters would kind of become the center of attention a lot of the times. And it feels like the, the comics have a very good balance of having these new original characters, but having them be good supporting characters and when they are brought to the forefront it's not for too long or they don't overstay their welcome um and plus i, I think tangle and whisper are probably some of the best <laughs> original sonic characters that, that have popped up yeah no those time. are great characters i think um, uh tangle is probably the my favorite um, tangle definitely feels like a sonic rush character and i mean that in like the best way um and I'm really excited to see that they put Tangle and Whisper in um, the Sonic Forces mobile game. That was really cool um, to see those characters. That, that's also what's really cool about that comic is they made original characters for this comic and they were able to make the leap over to the game side of things. You know, not in a mainline game or anything, but even the fact that they even made it into a Sonic mobile game is really cool. Right, right. Uh, my main concerns with uh, IDW and per- mm-hmm. personally... I mean, I think it's beautifully drawn. 
Uh, mm-hmm. It's beautiful to look at. I love how consistent it stays. It's like it doesn't Same, do the, yeah. the th- it doesn't do the Archie thing where it the style is drastically different the next issue. Mm-hmm. So that doesn't take me out of it a little bit because sometimes I think that's my main uh, gripe with the Archie comics. Um, but I do have a bit of a problem with some of the character motivations, hmm. particularly uh, Shadow. And yeah, I've heard that. Amy, a lot too, yeah, I because mm-hmm. like with Shadow, it, it kind of paints him as like this kind of weaker, you know, big-headed kind of character. Particularly how when they how he handled with the metal virus that mm-hmm. happens in uh, one of the later issues, and then also with Amy, where she kind of takes up the role of Sally Acorn as this leader, mm. which kind of just feels so out of place. But that's just my overall take on it so far, anyway. I think with Amy, I like to attribute that to actual growth of the character because I I like that she's not just even though she does have her moments of doing so, she's not there just to exist to fawn over Sonic and have a big hammer. I I, I like that that she took up more of a prominent, mature leadership role Um, with Shadow. I don't I don't have anything for that. I'm kind of with you on that. I don't I don't know what his deal is. <laughs> um he, he definitely during the metal virus thing was just completely not that I would say that character is responsible, but he was completely irresponsible during during the metal virus saga. And, yeah, no, and was that... incredibly short sighted during the whole thing. And it's just not something I would ever expect from that character. Here's the here's the funny thing about this is I when I was telling Mark when I got back into you know getting into Sonic games and comics and everything, um, mm-hmm. I started the IDW series because having stopping Archie after issue seventy, I went into IDW saying okay well this is a reboot they'll introduce all these characters again they'll kind of give they'll paint me a picture of who all these characters are nope I'm just <laughs> I'm I'm watching it or I'm, I'm reading it and I'm like wait who is Blaze. Wait, wait, wait. Who is Shadow the Hedgehog? I, I've seen this mm-hmm. character before, but I don't know who this is. And I was like saying, like, oh, I guess I have to go all the way back because I don't know who they are. I don't know what kind mm-hmm. of character they are. Like, I guess with like with normal, normal, good storytelling, you often like when you introduce a character, you kind of have to like what I think what they do with Tangle was really great. They introduced mm-hmm. like what kind of person she is. Like, you know, they show her doing something that represents what her character is whereas i felt kind of like when they introduce characters like blaze or shadow or rouge or whatever i'm like who are these characters again mm. so i kind of felt like but at the same time when I, when I saw this stuff with shadow i'm like oh oh is this his character you know um yeah. and now after playing sonic adventure 2 and i'm like no this is definitely not his character but anyway i uh, I, f- I feel I'm, like yeah they, they definitely did a thing where it, it's almost like you uh jumped into a comic book that had already been running for like <laughs> years yeah no years. it definitely felt that way and instead they were just like all right so we're a going to assume you've played sonic forces and b assume you've already are at least familiar with every game in this franchise so far <laughs> yeah that's kind of a high expectation anyway uh, yeah um i uh i uh what is it? i i thy has protesteth too much <laughs> i think 